Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 57, a video game roundtable, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I'm Taddy, content creator and co-host. And for this roundtable, it's a it's quite a big roundtable. It's one of those tables where you had to fold up. I don't know if you guys know, we had to fold up the extra table so you can get more space. Um, it's basically the biggest roundtable that we have. So we're going to, but it is an orderly table. So we're going to go around the table and introduce everyone that we have for today, starting in alphabetical order with freelance producer and editor at Netflix UK, Alicia Judge. Welcome. Hi. Um, we also have going across to the the bees. We don't have twenty six people. It's not that big a table, but we do have a few. Um, going over to the head of NGI Events Operations and the person pretty much responsible for uh, Gamepad Online streams. He's the reason you can watch them. Uh, ben, welcome. Evening. Evening. Good evening. It is evening, isn't it? So I'm yep. just like in, inside. Have so... I made a mistake of like baiting out the time with this? Like, no, no. You, you know, you, you know what you did. You um, you just made me aware of time, and I've been inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh yes, yeah. There is time. It is relative. Um, hopping over to uh, D. Uh, we have Daniel or Ebonic Sims, Twitch ambassador and Elgato partner. Welcome. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. We are going to skip a bunch of letters because, you know, um, sorry for everyone in between, but we're going all the way over to, to N. <laughs> and uh, host, presenter and streamer, Nims, welcome hello. to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Out of everyone, I know Nims can talk because I've seen him <laughs> conventions and he I'll, just I'll like... i as a compliment. <laughs> no, it is. It's good. I'm, I'm impressed because I will come at the beginning of a convention, see you talking, come at the end, same energy. <laughs> Same yeah. energy. It's, it's oh, I amazing. That. Thank you. <laughs> um, and jumping over to Q and the last. So just for those watching, we're about halfway in the show. But the last one uh, is the founder of the micro studio Asobi Tech and developer of Mau Mau Castle, which I've played. Quang, welcome. Hey there. I hope everyone's awesome. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. You know what? I didn't. I would describe myself as awesome. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> Cool. So that is our roundtable. And that is why we had to get the extra space in. Before we jump into our topics for today, a reminder for people that you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from. As always, you can send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com in our Discord, or just throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram, and at Tazzy on both. All right, so we're going to be talking games we've been playing. We're going to be talking about some news from the games industry. Uh, let's get started first with what's been happening in the Mayamada universe. And a quick update for the upcoming Gamepad Online Spring event. So as this is a gaming episode, we're going to talk some games relevant to Mayamada or games events. So our next event um, is the Spring Gamepad Online, which is happening on Saturday, the 10th of April. We'll be streaming that on Twitch and Facebook, maybe. I'm not sure Ben will. Uh, no, I've already, no, don't worry, it's all good. I'm I'm happy to do it and stuff. So business there we is go. You, really. this, is, this is the meeting, good meeting, yeah. Ben. <laughs> so Twitch. Oh, don't worry, I, I read the cliff notes before this yeah. started. We're, we're okay. Yeah, I was like, is that going to be happening? Let me check with Ben. Here's Ben. So we're going to be returning with our Friendly Fire competition. We have uh, Overcooked 2, Brawlhalla, and Rocket League. 
Um, we change up games sometimes each event, so should be something new uh, each time. So definitely uh, check out which teams are going to be involved in that. And you can watch all three rounds on Twitch and now confirmed Facebook. As usual with Gamepad Online Events, we are coming back with interviews. So I will be interviewing Alice Winter of Playground Games, uh, who are working on Fable, although I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about everything but Fable because I don't know when that's coming out. And Stefano Petrullo, I hope I'm saying that right, of Renaissance PR about PR in the games industry, specifically ethical PR in the games industry. His words, not mine. And we're also going to be doing our first panel uh, with Quang, uh, Imogen, Mela, and a developer to be confirmed, although by the time you listen to this, they might be confirmed. So check the Gamepad event page for details on that. Uh, when you're listening to this. Uh, so yeah, tickets are available now. They are free, but ticket holders will get uh, exclusive artwork that we'll be doing for this event with characters from the My Mana universe and general um, reminders for the event because like I just demonstrated above, you can forget what time of the day it is these days. So uh, you might need that. But yeah, hopefully people can check us out uh, and take part, get involved in the next Gamepad online event. All right, so we're going to jump straight in to find out what people have been playing. So this will be the part where we talk about what video games everyone has been playing. And we're going to go for spoiler-free discussions at this point. Uh, and we'll start with our guests. We'll start again in a alphabetical, alphabetical <laughs> order. Uh, so we'll start with Eliza. What game have you been, games have you been playing recently? Yeah, I've been I've been going back actually a couple of years. Did you guys hear of Return of the Obra Dinn? I think it came out in 2018, so it's a few years old now. Not heard of it. Oh well, you are in for a treat. Um, essentially, it's uh, it's a game where you play an insurance specialist. Bear with me, but the year is. I've 18... already riveted. You get to play superheroes, you get to play people who punch through walls and insurance specialists. This, uh, this game is really cool though. It's um, made by a guy called Lucas Pope. So he made a game called Papers, Please. And he's an indie developer that basically specializes in taking really boring jobs and creating really interesting games from them. So in Return of the Obra Dinn, um, there's a ship that has gone missing in the 1800s. Its entire crew has disappeared. And you are dispatched to the ship when it's found empty um, to go through, look at the dead bodies and basically figure out the identities of everyone on board and how they died. Um, and you do so with the help of a magic compass that lets you see the last few seconds of a person's life before they died so it's it's basically a detective game um and it's so so clever and a real brain teaser um and i'm playing it because i've just moved into a new flat and um to try and sort of get to know people in the building in this covid lockdown we've done a, a video games club kind of like a book club but you talk about games so this is our first game that we're going to be discussing and it's a really good one Sounds like a cool place to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm intrigued to one of the first things I really want to ask people is like, did you get everyone? Because 
in the game, you know, you can technically complete the game in like five minutes by just walking onto the boat and then walking off of it and kind of going bish bash bosh job done and saying that you basically don't know what happened to everyone. Um, so you don't you don't have to technically find the identities of everyone, but if you do, you get the good ending. Wait, so you can just quit and still yeah. complete the game? I mean, is that not what potentially some insurance specialists do? You know, sort of. <laughs> oh, <fair. laughs> True. Fair. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 really cool. Um, did you ever play play Papers Please, Lucas Pope's other game? No, I've heard of that one though. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very much in sort of that vein of um, a sort of creative game about um, something quite mundane. Because Papers Please is about being a passport immigration officer, and like you know, it's it's taking bureaucracy and basically finding the fun in it. That does actually sound um, quite interesting. So I'll definitely uh, have a look into that. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a go. Uh, Awesome. Uh, ben, what have you been been playing at the moment? Well, boy, where do I start? So, <laughs> uh, recently I got into Warframe a bit. I don't know, that game's like older than me, but I kind of thought I'd give it a go. I sort of moved from Division 2 to that because I need a third-person shooter in my life at some, some point or another. Um, and I don't play Gears of War, so because I don't have a Xbox. So uh, that will have to do. So I'm mess- messing around with that. Um, it's been a good lockdown game. It gives me another like RPG to play because I usually play FF14, Final Fantasy 14 as well, but I'm a bit of a mini hiatus on that. So I'm not really, so I needed something that I could do some grinding into. Um, I've been playing Fighting EX Layer as well, which is uh, a fighting game which almost nobody's heard of most of the time. Um, I'm too busy beating up Nims's friend Mark on it as well. <laughs> so... Um, oh, th- there's some correlation there. And I've been playing Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, uh, because I know that like everyone's been excited about that because of the international version and New Genesis coming out. But I'm one of those controversial players that plays on Japanese server because um, A, I don't have an Xbox, and B, um, I've been playing that game for approximately about nine years now because when it was officially into beta that's how old that game is believe it or not it's weird because i sort of moved from the pc version of the game which had all fans translations and stuff to the ps4 version which is completely like the raw gameplay so it's got it's everything is in it basically everything is in like hiragana and kanji basically so i've had to brush up on my japanese reading to be able to even carry on playing and navigating the uh, navigating the gate the sort of in-game market has been a bit of a nightmare sometimes uh and then the other last game i'm playing is like Mega Man zero collection because like i'm a huge Mega Man fan so i thought i'd carry on and play those games you, you're juggling a lot of games at once so. um i have a lot of time on my hands to be fair <laughs> fair enough that is a po- good point <laughs> I, I wish I wasn't playing so many games. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I guess. It's it's one of those things where you sort of like play in sort of intermission, really. I guess. So like, for example, I won't like play Fantasy Star Online two every day, sort of thing. It'll be like I'll pick one of the game from those four, from those four, or it might be a fifth one, and I'll play a bit of it depending on what else other people are doing. So it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's, it sort of depends on how I feel and. Um, the problem is, is that I can't play Fantasy Star Online 2 too often because translating stuff gives me, gives me a headache. So I have to not do that all the time. So 
so it's, it's not it's not too bad but like i hope i'm hoping for the day where we don't have to play so many games to pass the time so <laughs> I, could, I could put it that way fair enough yeah so danielle what have you been playing um so recently i've picked back up the telltale walking dead series i played the first season like last year and so like being a streamer i don't know if anyone else gets this but it's really i find it really hard to play games offline like especially story games because mm-hmm. i like the engagement that i have with the the chat on twitch you know what i'm the complete opposite i really? do not want people telling me how to play like <laughs> i'd be a terrible streamer <laughs> like, i get, I get <laughs> streamer guilt like i get guilty if people miss out on story stuff I'm yeah, like, oh, that's so it. The thing is, i think my chat are really good with not directing me or telling me what to do and to be oh, honest good. i even look to them and i have um like a poll going sometimes and i'm like well if something happens this is on you like this is your fault so um so it makes it like a nice like a nice uh engagement type of game to play with the chat as well so yeah so we've been so we started this first season last year like august and then we just were doing other things. But the last two, three weeks, we've been playing um, season two, Michonne. We just got done with um, season three. And actually tomorrow we're going to start the final season. So everyone's been kind of on this emotional journey. We've sobbed, we've laughed, we've cried, we've lee. Like every, <laughs> everyone is in their feelings about this game, including myself. So and I know it's quite an old game and it's it's quite a big fandom because um I guess it started off with the comics and the game was made based on the comic and I hadn't I didn't even know that there was a comic so it was nice to kind of learn about the actual series via the comics as well but yeah so I don't know if anyone's played it but I would highly highly recommend it yeah I absolutely love the Telltale games they're they're so good mm-hmm. and it's such a shame what what happened there but i actually caught like a little bit of some of your stream playing walking dead i don't know whereabouts in the story was but like it was so exciting your chat gets so involved with everything and they're so like invested in it as much as you so yeah i like i was like getting emotional just off the reactions oh, of you God. and everyone in chat i was like what's going on but oh wow <laughs> Oh no, they definitely love a story game, which is why I do find it really difficult to now play story-based games if I'm not on stream. Because I want them to have that that same excitement and the same the same energy and we feed off each other as well, which is really nice. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh, awesome. So uh we'll go on to Nims. What have you been playing? I, because I, well, since the, since kind of like we've all been in this kind of weird lockdown, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I have uh, stepped up a lot more uh, in terms of like streaming. So I have like a full on like schedule of like different games that I play. And I have like different moments through the week where I kind of like divulge into different genres of stuff that I pick up and play. So um, I've just completed bowser's fury on super mario 3d world i won't do any spoilers i won't spoil anything about it but it is just it's awesome it's just fun it's a mario game it's colorful it's just yeah that's it was a real nice fun game to play um and super mario 3d world now has obviously got online multiplayer so that's quite nice as well just to kind of literally pick up and play a mario game 
uh, with people online. We just jump on Twitch and um, can play fun little levels and just terrorize one another on a on a you know like the 3D Mario course. So that's kind of been taking up uh, some time of me. But I recently discovered a game which I pretty much never even heard of, um, and it came out a while ago. Uh, a bit like Alicia, um, this is a game called Strange Brigade, and it's if you're if you were a fan of like uh, the Uncharted series on PlayStation, in terms of the sort of the genres, it's kind of like an action adventure. It's sort of uh, theme based in the sense of it's all based in sort of 1920s, 1930s. Um, you're a group of like archaeologists, tomb raiders kind of vibe, and you go through these huge really beautifully like created uh sort of tombs and like kind of think just indiana jones uncharted that kind of vibe and you solve puzzles uh it's like an online cooperative and action adventure game it's third person shooting um there's loads of puzzle solving there's mummies there's like snakes and ghouls and just think you it, it literally feels like every time you jump on and play you're watching like another indiana jones movie and it's just really, really cool. Um, and it's made by Rebellion. If anybody knows who Rebellion are, they they previously used to do a lot of like Sniper Elite games, um, which I've never really, I've never really touched um, in terms of that. But this game, I just came across it. I think it was on sale on Steam. Um, and I just had a little look at the video and I really liked what I saw. And we just started playing that and I'm really... Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's I I I'm into the kind of historical Indiana Jones uncharted kind of vibe. I love the uncharted series. So this is a, a real nice game to just kind of pick up and discover. Um that's kind of out there that kind of gets overlooked and it's got this really like good show jolly pip pip kind of narrator that speaks in this really old school like 1920s like like accent. Uh, and he's just really he's really like entertaining as well the voice acting and the dialogue in the game is is brilliant so yeah that's kind of been like my main focus at the moment but also guilty gear strive which is a, a beta that just came out uh, for people to kind of check out if you're into fighting games if you're into anime fighting games i literally played a little bit of that and the last game that i really actually wanted to talk to you guys about actually is called project winter i don't know if anybody hasn't heard of it yet i hop like please go and check it out it is all i will say is if you like among us you have to play this game like you have to play this game it's like among us on like steroids it's got this whole cabin fever kind of vibes everything is based around a cabin in the middle of the woods um which is like your base uh and like pretty much like among us you you know go and complete different tasks you have to work together um and obviously there is an imposter in the middle of the team and the imposter has to try and get rid of you but it's like there's so many other aspects from just simply just going and killing a teammate there's like sabotaging stuff there's you can take somebody out and literally like put on their clothes and pretend to be them and oh, like wow. <laughs> yeah there's there's a whole bunch of different stuff like you can let loose like a bear and a, a pack of wolves on another team member and pretend that they've been killed by them when you've actually killed them that's a whole nother level of deception yeah it's <laughs> honestly i if 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 you if you like among us project winter it's honestly it's like that but times 10 but yeah that's kind of what i've been doing at the moment 
Oh, that sounds like really cool. I'd love to watch some Project Winter, but I feel like it'd be way too stressful to play. Like that's <laughs> way too high stakes for me. Like I'm just about struggling to like do good at Among Us. It's funny you say that because the game itself, it, it's got this like old country western kind of like smooth mellow music just playing out and it's just like really chilled like snowy wind blowing if that makes sense like it's just like you just think like a rustic old western cabin in the middle of the woods and there's like snow and there's snowmen everywhere and there's like somebody just playing like a banjo or a guitar so it's actually quite chilled but yeah it gives off that chilled vibe but there's almost kind of like an eeriness to it so yeah definitely definitely go check it out <laughs> oh wait, i definitely have to um like catch catch some stream of that or something but you've sold me on strange brigade i've literally just sat here and added it to my wish list <laughs> oh my god it's, it's, so, it's so fun so so fun you should so i guess i'm like there's too many of us there's not too many this is great there's a lot of us <laughs> but <laughs> i'm like losing track of how many people we've been through quang what about you what have you been playing I've been in the middle of moving house as well, so I've not much time to play games. But I have been squeezing in a few rounds of Tetris 99, Mario Kart, because there's always time for those two, for sure. I also stream, been streaming regularly, so uh, stream we look at retro games and retro consoles, and every week we look at a different console. And this week we looked at the, the Famicom, the second Famicom, and we played Mighty Final Fight on Nintendo. So for those who don't know, Final Fight was an arcade game from the 90s, and then they made a like a little chibi version of it on on the Famicom because uh, it came out on Super Nintendo and Mega Drive CD and a few other platforms. But they made a little chibi version just for Nintendo, and it's very cute and it's a really cool little brawler. Nice. I love that you take it back and go to the retro as well. And yeah, Mario Kart is one that you know you just pick up, play. Had a little little game of that on the weekends as well. And then I I think that's all of our guests. So next is me. I'm terrible with like my games. I just like pick up, start one and and uh, struggle to finish them because I want to play the next one. But I don't know if I mentioned Watch, Dog Le- uh, Watch Dogs Legions on a previous episode because I got that at Christmas and I've just like slowly been playing through that. Really just loving, loving that. Uh, but I also recently started Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I love, like just the whole atmosphere of it is it's just such an enjoyment to play apart from when I was fighting one anime enemy and I was definitely like fighting them way too soon because like the combat is kind of difficult on there anyway let alone when you're just not you don't have enough skill or health yet to fight them so uh, but just like even the music it's such a Star Wars game because it just gives you like it just has that Star Wars atmosphere to it Um, and I'm really enjoying like I don't massively know a lot of like lore and information on star wars i've sort of recently tried to like understand more of the universe rather than just be like "Ooh, lightsabers (laughs) um so it's been like really nice to play through yeah and then uh, i just want to like mention injustice 2 as well because i recently started playing that well not that recently but you know in the last sort of month and a bit i think Um, and i started it thinking I was just going to like jump onto a fighting game it was going to be like my casual play game but then it has these like epic cutscenes <laughs> <laughs> that are like long and like really entertaining there's a proper story in there isn't there yes yeah, there's, there's a series of comic books that's tied to as well yeah, yeah 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 
So it's like it's like a it's like a film with fighting game scenes in between. <laughs> like there is more there is more cinematic than fighting. It feels like, but the combat's really fun as well for me on it as well. But I kind of like stopped because it. I really did choose it to play as like a game to play in between my story games. And yeah, no, that doesn't work. It is a story <laughs> game. <laughs> like if you're playing through the story, it is like a proper story which i don't know i've not found many fighting games that like are a proper like in-depth story like that so yeah that's what i've been playing nigel what have you been been up to uh so i've been playing on the playstation 5 which i actually got thanks to someone at rebellion so that's a weird oh six wow. degrees of something yeah nice. yeah it's, <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole backstory. I might make a comic about it sometime. But, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I've been playing uh, Spider-Man, Mars Morales. Uh, I just jumped on that immediately. Oh, I say immediately. I, I played... Um, oh, what's the game you get with the PlayStation 5? The name just... Uh, Astro, uh, Astrobots? Astro's Playworld. Yes, Playroom. Playroom, yeah. Oh. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, really good use of the controller. And then I jumped to Spider-Man, Mars Morales, uh, which I absolutely love because... I don't know if anyone's played the first game or, or that one, uh, the most recent one, but essentially what they've done is given you more of the same. And sometimes that can be a bad thing. And here it's just a good thing. Uh, and I almost feel that more video game series should do it because I think when it first got announced among the whole uh, PlayStation 5 release, there was, I noticed some disappointment when it was found out that it's, it's kind of like a, it's not a full sequel. But really, the first game was fantastic, and they've managed to reuse the engine, the the world or the the city, and giving you more content in the game, which I think is a good thing. You kind of want to see that done the right way. So yeah, so you take uh, take on Miles, and the swinging mechanic is just so satisfying. It's done so well. Uh, similar um, mission structure. They have taken out some of the the uh, moments in the first game where you kind of play as non-spider people basically so in the first game there are moments you play uh, as miles pre um spider-man miles um and mary jane uh, i didn't mind those sections but i think some people had some issues so they've there's none of that um so it's just all miles all the time i like where they've gone with the story it's yeah it's just really good and it's one of the few games like i'm I'm not a completionist. I'm like, uh, as as long as I got the story, I'm good. I don't need to get uh, all the trophies or anything like that. But this is one of the few games where I feel like I want to do the extras even after finishing the game. I want to go and do the side missions and uh, find out what else is in this city that they've created. So really enjoying that. Uh, I then started Shadow of the Tomb Raider because, so I went through a period of time where I didn't have uh, I didn't have a PlayStation Network. Well, I didn't have the um, PS Plus. Uh, so I got it and then realized that they give you free games every month. So my, I was like, oh, wait, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Isn't that fairly new? And I actually had to check. I thought it was a trap, but I actually checked. They give you free games every month, which I love. So I just downloaded that, started playing that uh, very early on in that uh, game. But uh, really enjoying, I think, to the earlier point about the sort of uncharted Indiana Jones kind of games is that kind of thing really like really cinematic uh, the one 
nitpick I have is that the text in this game is super small, which is really annoying for doing uh, reading anything about the lore or skills upgrades or things like that. Yeah, I don't sit like within 30 centimeters of my television screen, so it makes it kind of difficult. But other than that, really enjoying that game. I don't know if it, has anyone played that uh, or either game. Yeah, yeah, Mars Morales is is brilliant. I really enjoyed playing that game. Um, I yeah, when when you get to play as the uh, when you get his into the into the Spider Verse uh, costume, it just looks insane. Oh, yeah, in that game. yeah, it looks great. And Shadow of the Tomb Raider is a really good game. Is that the? Th- I can't even remember where in the series that comes in. I think it's the third game. I think I thought so. I feel I've skipped a game because yeah. I think I, I played the first of the reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed out the second one, but yeah, I, I, I get the gist. <laughs> I think I got it. Tomb Raider is one of those ones that I keep meaning to like dive back into and just don't. I wish I could like simultaneously play like several games at once. <laughs> Speaking of the subtitles, you're saying that uh, um, the text in the game being really small. Uh, I know more and more games now through accessibility options, they can enlarge the size of text, things like that. And it, it's, a, it's, it's criminal that games still only have you know, one size text or things like that. And it's such an easy thing to change. Yeah, but I mean, like even maybe like quite you can share some light as to why, because f- from looking at it, I'm saying surely someone has noticed this already, or is it just like, I, you know, obviously you've got different size screens and resolutions and um, televisions and all that, but yeah, I would have thought just had an, have an option to change the size of the text. Like, is it just like an oversight? I would imagine so. Like, I imagine like the development machines will be the same or the dev- screens will be roughly the same size and no one cited, hey, what happens if you play on a smaller screen or you play f- f- sitting further away? And someone's not really looked at it. It is baffling when like games don't have options for the subtitles because I feel like it's such a such a small thing to make a game so much more accessible for so many more people. Exercises get harder to read the larger resolutions we got up in, and I think it's just been an archaic thing because you gotta remember we've been sitting in the age of like four eighty to seven twenty p in terms of resolution for ages, and now we're. 1080 has become more standard, but the bigger resolution screeners are, and the thing is that most of these developers as well, they usually work off monitor, so they're usually sitting right in front of the screen. So a lot of the time you don't see like a lot of, they don't, for example, test stuff on like a 40, like a 45 inch TV sometimes. It kind of reminds me of um, the guys in uh, uh, Arika who did fight in the X layer, didn't understand how their game worked in 4K because they didn't have a 4K television in their studio, for example. So it's, it's just weird oversights like that that happens a lot. So I'm going further than that. Like sometimes, um, maybe if one of your development team is colorblind, for example, uh, you'll have color good colorblind options. Whereas if no one in the team is colorblind, it may not be brought up that um, this red and this green thing aren't very distinguishable if you're colorblind. So it, it's mm-hmm. you need someone to take take the lead on that. Yeah, true. Yeah. Have a little checklist. I know that Square hired a bunch of people to a bunch of people to test the um, the accessibility options in Final Fantasy XIV because they've got stuff like noise mode for people that can't see very well and uh, reverting the debuffs and stuff like that on the bar for people that are colorblind or that are, that are hard of sight and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's 
like I think the developers that have usually got the finances or usually got the foresight usually like hire people or have people in the team. So Quang's correct in that, and is Quang's they're definitely right in that regard. I know with I know with Last of Us the accessibility options are incredible in that. There's I know there's a streamer who's completely blind and can play through Last of Us too, um, blind. It's incredible. Didn't he platinum it as well? Actually, I swear he platinumed it. So he managed to not only beat it, he platinumed it as well. So that's how good that is. Yeah. Yeah. I actually turned on one of the accessibility options um, to make the game easier. There's uh, there's like a way for you to switch it on so that when someone sees you, if you're sneaking, um, you get like a visual cue on the screen from where they are because normally it's an oh. audio thing, and if you're deaf, you obviously can't hear it. I ended up turning it on because it was really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I also had that setting on, but I like that game made me realize like how many I was like, oh, this would be really handy to have, and sort of like makes me question my not like my own abilities, the things that I struggle with in video games. There's a there's a big thing to, to you know if you just want to enjoy the game, turning on helps like that. Uh, it, you know, it shouldn't be frowned upon. It's like this is in there so you can help help you enjoy the game even more so yeah. having uh, visual cues or audio cues uh or things make things stand out a bit more just so you can enjoy the game more you, no one wants to play a game and be frustrated you, you want to enjoy it yeah exactly I, I think people play like games for different reasons some are in there for the difficulty but some just want to yeah like you say experience the game experience the story uh i would just like to experience the text uh in the game um, <laughs> that's that's all i want so um that is what i've been uh, i've been playing it's got a good list I'm, i've got some like tips i'm gonna have to go through this afterwards yeah. anyway yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh so that's what we have been playing um now we're gonna get into our gaming news segment And for the roundtable discussions, um, I like to take a collection of news stories uh, that kind of lead to interesting topics in the games industry. So I've got a bunch of things um, that we'll kind of pick apart uh, as we go. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to start with is actually last year's uh, news, but I felt that it's a, it's a story that raises an interesting topic. Uh, so interesting would it be talking about it in our gamepad online panel did i mention gamepad online you should totally come to gamepad online um so we're going to be talking about nice segue there i know all <laughs> all the segues here are are smooth as as that <laughs> i like to practice that um so yeah 2020 uh, among many many things saw the release of the highly anticipated cyberpunk 2077 uh, however as i'm sure everyone watching uh, watching listening now knows it was not the best of launches <laughs> cyberpunk 2077 basically like you could you could look at that and compare it to the year and be like actually yeah it makes sense yeah it, it's fitting it was fitting for the year um, but uh, still even at a, at that stage still unexpected um so like i don't want to dig too much into like the developers specifically and 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 every time i see this like come up in in certain spaces is that i always remind myself that it's like people made this and you know no one set out to make a a bad game but you know it, it was released so anything you kind of make is then sort of open to criticism i guess but why i'm interested in this is because it's such a it was such a highly anticipated game and the promise of it was this essentially this massive game experience uh, and in what 
people got is a game for the most part that was unfinished i'd say is a lot of uh bugs and then didn't necessarily bear resemblance to what they had promised in the sort of preceding years um so just for some context like we've seen cd project red the developers sort of offer refunds uh, to players uh, that then led to the game being booted from the playstation store which was like an unprecedented uh, thing we've seen the i think the ceo of cd project red come out make an apology yeah just it, it's been a it's been a drama so i guess the the first thing like i wanted to yeah i wanted to get to is well first of all has anyone played it apart from tazzy i know has played some of it yes i have i've played some yeah okay so for those that Not have played yet. so yeah so i mean zanya what was your experience of it what did you play it on so i played it on pc so I know a lot of the issues that I think people are experiencing did come with the console version of the game. Yeah, particularly the base PS4 and Xbox consoles. Yeah, yeah. So I can say that my experience on PC didn't really come with any bugs, um, if anything, because I'm now realising that I think first-person games aren't too great for me because I get like a bit of like motion sickness or something. So just oh, okay. trying to figure out that stuff. But in general, like my experience wasn't bad. Like it felt like it was a well-made game. The one thing I was hoping for was to be able to see your character because you spend ages creating your character. I especially love a creator character. And um, I spent a good portion of my time, about an hour and a half, just scrolling through the little options and making sure that, you know, my character was perfect. And then it was in first person view, so you couldn't really see the character. Really? So, like, after creating, spending all that time, I guess, yeah, it's a first-person game. So you don't even, I guess, like, cutscenes, or is it just that, where you see your character? Mm. Or not? Most of the cutscenes are in first-person as well, right? I think just I if think, you look yeah, in the mirror. It is. In the <laughs> mirror. And then I think if you're riding a bicycle, like a motorbike or driving yeah. a car, and that's when it kind of zooms out. But I think, uh, yeah, most cutscenes, if I remember correctly are in first person so it feels a bit redundant to spend so long and having such a i, I don't want to say robust but the creative character engine is you know it's it's all right but you spend <laughs> so much time making your character and then you can't really you don't really see much of them in the game so but other than that that was that was my only uh gripe with the game but i didn't i didn't really have too many issues with bugs but i played about two hours worth of it when it first came out and it seemed fine that's really interesting because i think something like uh like god of war for example it, it obviously you play as a sort of um predetermined character but there's a lot of customization in that game uh, as kratos improves his weapons and and armor and you kind of you see that through the game mm. like you see like the um i forgot what the name of the axe the axe i'm just gonna say the axe uh leviathan axe leviathan there you go thank you my real-time fact checker um <laughs> so, so you, you kind of you see it change as you as you make changes so you're getting the um the in-game power up uh whatever mm. that might be and the visual kind of mm. i don't know reassurance it just it just look good so i'm surprised that for a game like cyberpunk where so much was made of it of that you can create your own character that they didn't then find better ways to showcase that. 
right. uh, throughout the game. Mm. I think there's a mod. I think uh, someone made a mod for it where you can actually now see your character. Yeah, but man, like, you spend that you time developing the game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Literally, why would you need a mod to be able to see? It would be nice if it was an option. Would you like to have you know first person view or third person view? I think if if they went if they did third person, I think the issue is if you're going third person, that it changes the mechanics of the game considerably. Yeah, because mm. the thing is, is that as someone that's like plays like a ton of like third person games in general, like the mm. because of the the perception difference and stuff like that, some things don't work how they should do. And like for example, the gun combat is completely different because you don't have to, you're not looking down looking down sights. It's not it's not like a full sacrifice of view of vision. Where in third person, if you look down the sights, it doesn't fully zoom in and stuff like that. So especially since the gunplay and stuff is very important in that game, I think going from first person to third person would only sort of work if the game was designed by that way in the first place. And apparently from many stories that came out, but one of them was that it was initially going to be third person, like the previous game, The Witcher, but there was a decision made to change it to first person. And that almost resulted in a, a restart of the development process. It was an interesting kind of uh, bit of information. That's something I heard as well. Yeah. I heard, I did hear about that. I got to, so at Gamescom 2019, I got to meet uh, one of the designers of the game from CD Projekt Red. And from what I saw of it then and with the big Keanu Reeves thing and all the fudgy trailers and all the kind of early access plays and stuff like that, it, it was, I, I think it was a very promising game and it still is a good game. We were promised the best game. Like, I, <laughs> like, like Danielle said, I played, I played on PC and from what i did play on pc i i did find it interesting it was it was a good game right. ps4 i did check out some of the ps4 stuff as well uh cuz i don't own a ps5 just yet and it is yeah i i don't want to sugarcoat it but it it was bad it was it was bad it Trying was you could see i mean bad. yeah <laughs> it was it just I, yeah i, I you know i i've when i look at stuff like that me personally working in the industry i just feel very sorry for development teams because you know they've probably been working on that project for i think it's like nearly seven years um which is a very long time for a game that's a that's that's a lot of hours um and a lot of development um in terms of trying to create what they probably initially created on their storyboards and the, the vision for it and the concept for it. It's, it's, it, it, it saddens me when I see stuff like that. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, different speculations that people have said that it was rushed and there was pressure to get it out and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's, it, I, I think it's one of those games that if you go back to it, probably, playing it on pc you will enjoy the game it is it is a it is for for what it is it's an enjoyable game and the aesthetic for it and if you're into the whole kind of literally cyberpunk-esque you know aesthetic it is visually very pleasing to look at on the pc version for sure um i'm not too sure about the ps5 version but yeah it just i i felt quite sad for those guys who probably worked on it because 
the you know they they just trying to do what they love to do which is develop yeah, and create a, a game that yeah. is you know that it can be proud of yeah and you know they they of course everybody who creates a game they want their game to be the best experience you know yeah so and i think it's that thing with like game development because it is that mix of techni- the technical aspect and it is a creative like endeavor and then on top of that, and the thing that kind of sometimes fascinates me is like, on top of that, you've got then the business decisions. So mm. not to say that it, I, I mean, in some element, there must have been some rush because obviously what, what was released wasn't a fully um, finished game on all platforms it was available yeah. Yeah. Uh, on. So I feel like at some point, it's maybe because of the, the time um, it spent in development that there was a decision that we need to put this out. I don't buy that at all because like when when you have a game like that and keep in mind that game was announced before the ps4 and, free, and xbox yes. One was even out and it's supposed so, to come out before yeah the... so when you've got a game announced that far in advance right and the thing is is that this is never a developer's fault this is a management problem yes basically I agree with that. the management have given them a bunch of the, uh, the management have not been able to decide what the game is supposed to be and the scope of the game itself that's the reason why it's a mess and they've like here's all of this sort of stuff that's going on and we've announced this game almost nine years in advance before the current the consoles that are on their way out were even out by then so they've really got no excuse about running them on the current old gen consoles because if you if you think that's the case, then like, mm. where's the development time been for that the past nine years? So the, you got these people that have been working on the project for nine years have had to go with constant changing situations because the management can't decide what the game is supposed to be. Decided mm. last minute, this is what the game is. So people got to crunch for about three years straight. And even more so now because the game was such a mess when it came out, they've now have to work... The thing is that they're not even working on DLC content at the moment. They're still working to make the game playable yeah. on two of the <laughs> platforms it was supposed to be sold on. Like, so they're not even and keeping and that on top of the whole thing about the how overtime works and stuff like that. You kind of think to yourself, like a lot of this could have been could have been prevented if the management was better. But the thing is, is that the development team suffer for the management team's issues. And it's this horrible, it's this horrible cycle. And it's not like they didn't know how bad the situation was, because they, when they he did his whole apology, it was like, oh yeah, well, in in our home development, like in our in in in-house development the ps4 and the xbox ones were working in quotation marks surprisingly well if that was the case <laughs> why did you... case, yeah. well it's not even that it's like if that was the case why was the review codes for the game for the ps4 and the xbox one versions of the game why didn't they give out the review codes before the game hit retail so the only game the only people that had retail copies were very specific people that played on pc only so if it, if it works surprisingly well, you should have confidence to have that game reviewed, like even if a couple of days in advance, right? Like they knew exactly what they were doing. Like, that was a telling thing where they, where, um, yeah, they, they sort of kept the view of the, what is now the previous gen versions uh, from the media. And I assume <laughs> uh, for, for that reason. So I wanted to ask, uh, Alicia, I mean, I don't know how much, how, what kind of view you have in terms of like reviewing games, but just from a like media perspective, was there, did you see any kind of sign of this as the game was, was coming out? Anything that might have raised a, uh, a flag in that sense of what we would get initially, um, eventually? 
Yeah, so I mean, it's a really good question. I think that any time a game developer is being very protective and controlling of their IP to the extent where they say, you cannot show any of your own recorded footage of the game, you can only show ours, that's a pretty big red flag. But also at the same time, you know, game studios do really protect their IP. Um, that's not unusual to be like, you know, things very much behind closed doors to drip feed the press information. I mean, that works across all creative industries. My boyfriend is an animator. He works on films like Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel, and he will not tell me what he's working on until it's been announced and released and we're in a relationship, you know, so films, <laughs> games, whatever, you know, the creatives who work on them have to really lock down and protect their IP and sort of drip feed information as and when it's announced. So yeah, it's tricky. I think that where Cyberpunk went wrong here was obviously trying to control the narrative as they got closer and closer to release, realized they had a broken game, powered ahead anyway and then tried to basically I guess hoodwink the the press and the public by showing game footage that was very shiny that they'd sort of polished themselves and didn't reflect the real thing but you know equally as someone who isn't a game developer I am very hesitant to tell game developers how to do anything you know I can't sit here and say exactly what went wrong with the release of cyberpunk because only the people at CD Projekt Red, know exactly what went wrong, but I completely agree with what's been said. I think it sounds like a management decision that the games designers themselves really did want to make a fantastic game and they tried really hard over a period of nine years, but poor management, poor managing of deadlines and probably a poor sense of scope. You know, that this is an open world game that it sounds like they wanted to bite off a lot of different things over the course of a 60 hour playthrough and mm. they just couldn't fit everything in. And so it became a buggy mess. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking a bit more of that in our Gamepad Online panel, like how just how big games need to be uh, these days. So um, I'm sure we'll come back to uh this topic it's like i said it's just it's fascinating for for me just to see how it was managed <laughs> that that word again how it's managed and how it's i think it will change things going change things going forward because i think i can't remember how soon afterwards but obviously with um halo um halo infinite coming on uh the xbox series uh consoles being shown having a less than positive reaction in terms of what was shown and then the news coming that that would be delayed by a year and I, i've got to feel that the seeing the response from uh cd project red uh, and their game has just prompted others to say you know what it's actually better to delay than it is to release and try and clean up because you can't like uh alicia said in terms of managing the managing experience obviously something that is is done uh, across industries but when it gets to that point you can't fool people like not not today you can't you can't Wouldn't fool you people be, the thing is though the situation with both with halo infinite and cyberpunk are considered to be very different with in what way with, so inside with cyberpunk the the cyberpunk is a cd project red based project so it's only it's only them so and but the thing is is that the the there's nothing else riding on that game other than their own shareholders so their decision to delay it or not is completely based on them 
it's got no other inf influence uh, influences outside of their shareholders wanting to make sure that it's before the financial year. So if they wanted to delay it, then they're more than welcome to delay it because there's a ton of games that got delayed across that year, like Ghost of T uh, Tsushima and The Last of Us both got delayed due to logistical <laughs> Oh, yeah, and Cyberpunk as well. Like it got delayed like three times, and look how the game came out still. That's the thing with delaying games is you can delay it forever. Like ideally, no one wants to make a bad game, so you want to delay it until it's a good game. But the mm. problem is, companies will pump millions into marketing budgets, and they'll be scheduled. So if you dump a hundred million into marketing, and your game isn't ready yet you're wasting a lot of marketing. So you have to hit that deadline and they end up releasing games that aren't ready because that's they put all the money to marketing already. And it's really tough to time that correctly. It's just poor management then really, if it comes down to it again, it's a, the poor communication of management. It's just, the thing is, is that you that, that's one of those things of situation where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Like if, if, if they know that the game is behind, but they're pumping all this money into marketing anyway, then it's going to really be difficult to say, oh, actually we need to release it anyway. Because it's not like, the thing about CD Projekt Red is that it's not like they are an external publisher that's self-publishing it. So it feels like The Witcher, was it, is it Bandai Namco that's published it? The thing is, they would, they would have an external marketing company looking after their marketing for them. And they would have done a bunch of research saying, oh, you need to release in this time, this date, this is the best time to do it on these platforms and so on and so forth. And said, okay, so this is the best way to spend our money on it. And unfortunately, sometimes the timing doesn't work out and it makes it really tough for the developers and marketing on either, both sides. Because the thing is, is that I'm, I'm sure that with the marketing side of this, so with the, how much money they put into it, I'm, unless they have like an external publisher, which I'm not too sure. Let me check, actually. Because I know that The Witcher 3 was published by Bandai Namco, so it was different for... I can't even get their Wikipedia page up because there's so many articles where it's a bad game at the start. <laughs> so, yeah, so actually... Their in-house publisher is CD Projekt, so they self-published it. So it's not even a situation where they were beholden by other publishers. It's the same company. So it's one of those situations where they've set a goal and they've obviously couldn't get it and they've not communicated internally because of it, which in that case makes it worse. Like At least with the, the differences with Halo Infinite, the problem is with that game is the fact is that Microsoft put a lot of focus on that game as the center point of the new generation. Yes. Because they didn't have anything else coming out by then because of COVID and stuff and other situations with other games just not being ready. And when everyone was like, actually, this game, actually, everyone was like, oh, this game doesn't look that good. Like everyone, and because of the whole focus um, of like the next generation being around Halo, it's not really a good look to be like, this is the game that represents the next generation and everyone's saying it's not looking that good. And because they're a platform holder, they could be like, all right, then we'll just have to push it back because I, they've got the ability to do that. It's easier for them. Yeah, they've got that. They've got that power and that, that control. And I think it's a, a good decision because, yeah, everyone wants the game to be as best as it can be. And sometimes you just need a bit more time. Um, so There wasn't that much marketing around Halo either. Yeah, exactly. They bet yeah. they you know they done a few teasers but but they didn't like overly push it whereas cyberpunk was like oh yeah <laughs> constantly gassed up just yeah. like constant <laughs> so i think yeah some important lessons learned so speaking of the next gen which is the now current gen of consoles uh, i guess we can just check in with the different sort of uh, platforms and see what's going in going on and uh, speaking of Microsoft and the Xbox. Um, so according to gamesindustry.biz, uh, the Xbox series consoles, the number one console of 
January and also saw console sales in the UK uh, jump by 148%, which is not entirely unexpected because of the year that was 2020 and everyone in their in their homes. But I think just across the board, I am I don't know what the, the word is, but I, I think I I don't know how everyone else felt, but when the consoles were being released and certainly before the prices were announced, I had a a question as to how well this generation would sell. Um, obviously, with the pandemic uh, just hitting people financially, uh, some more than others, but uh, everyone feeling some effect. Yeah, whether this was the time to release your uh, 400 to 500 uh, pound consoles. Uh, obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about because <laughs> everyone has uh, seen their yeah, console. You still can't get uh, PlayStation people are struggling to find the new consoles which is good because uh that shows that people are still kind of uh into games games is growing as an industry more people are playing games there's more sort of awareness and attention on it uh which i think is positive and one of the things that kind of caught uh my eye actually uh alicia you had a a thread that sort of touched on the accessibility from a financial perspective of the two cons uh, of the two consoles xbox and uh playstation so i'm gonna quote your tweet and just uh raise this point about where you say uh where i've got my notes here uh, so where where are game makers from wealthy backgrounds i bet this has something to do with the fact that gaming is an expensive hobby if your parents don't have the money to buy your games as kids you won't even consider uh games as a career so uh, there's a whole thread and we'll link to this in the show notes, but you're kind of talking about the value of having the lower priced Xbox and PlayStation consoles. So do you feel that, I guess that has been a, a contributing factor to why we've seen an increase in sales of the consoles and just playtime of games in general? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think, you know, there are a few key questions that we always ask ourselves when we're buying a console, right? Like the first is probably what can I play on it? And the second is, is it the same as what my friends have? You know, can I cross play with them on multiplayer? And I think as an industry, we we only tend to talk about those two questions. But there is the third question, which is, can I afford it? And that's the question that normally for most people comes before one and two. And we just don't talk a lot about it in the industry and, and what it really means for gaming when the answer for a group of people is no. Um, and what's, you know, what's cool about, I guess, this generation is that, uh, yes, the sort of full fat consoles, the PS5 um, full version and the Xbox Series X were £449. But the Xbox Series S and the PlayStation Digital are a lot cheaper, particularly the Xbox Series S. That's £250, which is actually £110 cheaper than Sony's cheapest offering. And that really matters because if you can get your hands on a console and play a console game, well, play console games for cheaper, you're kind of, you're engaging with games culture. You are playing games as you grow up. Um, and the only way you're really going to become a games developer is if you are engaged in games culture, if you actually, you know, have opinions, you play lots of games, you kind of expose yourself to that world. Yeah, so I think I think we we tend to talk a lot, don't we, in 
games about how important it is to get more women into games. And we talk about gender and we talk a lot about race and the games industry is extremely white, but we don't talk a lot about wealth. And particularly because wealth and gender and race intersect a lot, it's kind of a conversation that we need to be having more. Definitely. I've found like just since not so much growing up, I think my mom was really good at making sure there was money aside uh, for me to indulge a bit in my gaming hobby. Um, but a lot of the time I've bought my own games, like it's been something I've saved for um, and definitely like being a teenager. Uh, and like I've never had consoles like as soon as they come out and never really in the same with like games. It's like a lot of the time when people sort of ask like, oh, you're getting the latest console. Uh, I know like this, the now previous gen, I was really late to it because I just couldn't justify spending that much money on on a new console and like how much is it is always my first question I'm very money conscious and like it's just even that like being being there early and with these price points and like the options even to buy games now or get games not necessarily buy them uh, means that like way more people can be on that like early adopter hype which is like a whole Mm. nother area to be in than Mm. just someone who plays games at their leisure And that can really like change someone's perspective of like the games industry is when they can actually be there in that like first hype where everyone like you're able to jump on that game when everyone's got it, particularly with games with like online features. And be part of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, and it's interesting because I, I, I've written a couple of articles on this and a few people have flagged that um, the cheaper versions of both consoles are digital only. So you they don't have a disk drive. And some people have flagged and said, well, you know, that that is really, that's bad if you're on a lower income because you can't uh, get a game for free from your mate or trade something in or buy something secondhand, which is which is really valid points. You know, buying secondhand games is absolutely a way to to you know, play games more cheaply. But I think what's interesting about this console generation compared to previous ones is that we are seeing streaming services coming in, you know, the whole sort of Netflix for games, air quotes. Um, and, and those can be really cheap. You know, you look at Xbox Game Pass, that lets you play over 100 games for less than £10 a month. And mm-hmm. those games are games that have literally just come out now. Like, they're not old games. They're like, yeah, and that's that's £10 a month. That's cheaper than most phone contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, cheaper than mine. Yeah, right? <laughs> Especially if you do go down, like, again, with, like, Xbox. I mean, I'm a little biased because I love my Xbox, but I'm I'm... But I generally like try and be really fair because uh, I love all gaming. But even with the the options to sort of get that like phone contract style purchase of a console where you're playing monthly. And then with that, like Game Pass is like included in this whole package. Mm-hmm. And um, that just on its own is like can be so much more accessible. Like I know from working in retail for electronics and people coming in to buy consoles, I know for a fact how how easy it would be to sell a console with that that option because a lot of the time parents go oh that's a that's a lot but if you can offer them a finance option where they have to pay like what I can't remember how much it is it like 20 pounds or something like that for the Xbox oh their installment plan or their yeah yeah the basic contract oh that I can't remember how Xbox much it is access isn't it yeah 
And it's so affordable that, like, I know, like, immediately I could just hear, like, parents I spoke to talking about gaming and being like, oh, okay, yeah. And and on top of that, it's like, and your child can play the game that they keep asking you for. Yeah. A lot of time parents are like, oh, wait, I have to buy the console and then the second controller because they've got a sibling. And then I've got to buy the game and then the online thing. And they're just there confused and just like, this is too much. This is all adding up. What do you mean that's not included? And so that is just like, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting point, actually, Alicia brought up in terms of like about the whole wealth situation, just like really, really lightly touching back on how we were talking about, you know, cyberpunk, uh, you know, it had a delay and then it came out and it wasn't ready, etc. I had a really interesting conversation with just even with my circle of friends and you guys probably all will agree with me when I say this, that we all constantly as gamers have this talk about like, oh, I have such a backlog of games I need to get through, such a backlog of games. And it's so strange that within the same breath of us saying that we have a backlog of games, that we are still talking about that, you know, why are games being delayed? Why are we still chasing for the next game that's coming out right now when mm-hmm. we must we must acquire it? We must be a part of the conversation. And, you know, at the same time, why must we go out and get this new console straight away? Why must we... The marketers know, tell us to. Yeah. Please. and with this, yeah. I, I mean, of course, that's, you know... And that's, that's what they're paid the, to do. Of course, that's what they're paid <laughs> to do. Exactly. That's, you know, they're, they're, they're doing their job. They're telling you that, you are nothing unless you own this console um but i just find it incredible that you know touching back on again what alicia said about this whole thing about wealth is that for me i think the longer i've been in this industry now both as just an avid gamer and as a fan of games and then working in in the professional sense i feel like there's such a lack of education for people to go back and just appreciate what has come out in the last even just five years like five years is a long time in the gaming industry you know like people talk about oh if you go back and look at you know the last 20 25 years that that's of course you know you can say that about any industry but even just if you go back in the last five years of this industry the amount of things that have happened and changed and games that come out like really good games you know and it's one of those things that i think again just really 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 reiterating what alicia said in terms of you know uh, people talking about not being able to afford it and coming from wealthy backgrounds i think that to kind of counteract that there needs to be a an area where people actually just go and educate and say to kids well look you know yes that is the new PlayStation 5. That is the new Xbox console. That is the new PC. And yes, this is the new game that's coming out. However, have you played this? However, have you checked this out? Because you'll be so actually incredibly surprised that this game was probably the reason that this game happened. Or this was inspired by this. And I guarantee you, at least eight out of those 10 kids would be like oh my god that's actually really cool yeah you know and that's i think that's what we're kind of we're we're in this realm now and i'm a culprit myself i'm not trying to say that you know i'm not a culprit myself i have a huge backlog of games that i have picked up and gone i need this i have to buy i have to get the limited edition version on day one it's a it's a must i have to get it and it's literally just sat on my shelf 
for months. Yeah. And I'm like, and then I, and to top it all off of, on top of that, I'll then sit in front of my screen and go, oh, guys, I've got no games to play, man. Like, <laughs> Should I go and look at the Steam sale? Like, let's go look at the Steam sale. I have nothing to play. And then someone will go to me, wait, didn't you buy this game? Oh, yeah, that game. The audacity and it's, of it it's, all. You know, it's, I feel like it absolutely, completely agree with Alyssa in terms of like, you know, games are not cheap. They are not. Mm. Consoles are not cheap. And even with the, you know, the digital versions of consoles, um, I'm a big avid believer in being able to be like, oh, I finished this game. Do you want to borrow it and play it? Like I, I, I come from that, you know, that generation of kids where like, friends came around and we played multiplayer games and we you know that was the way we learned how to play mario kart that was the way i was introduced to like mortal kombat that was the way i was introduced to uh street fighter because i played it with somebody else who had the game whether if it was a school friend or if it was oh i'm going to my cousin's house because they've got street fighter you know like again people can kind of counteract and say well you've got online now you could do that on game pass but it's still doesn't have that it's i don't know it's 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 i don't think it's as easy as to just kind of uh, answer that question with just saying well you can just play online you know it's not as easy as that so yeah i think there is for me to kind of the a conversation that we should be having is uh, as well as obviously kind of people being able to afford stuff is to ask these kind of questions in terms of you know what haven't you played yet what is already available which is actually affordable and also educating people about things that you haven't seen or overlooked i think as well and i'm going to say this as like i think every, everyone here has some sort of um influence whether it be small or big but like we're, we're all people that are online and and make content or or are involved with how how like things are put out there but like normalizing language around games and older games like i i believe this about i mean this podcast we talk about movies and stories across pop culture and we're not limit we don't limit ourselves to the, what the latest release are uh, we just talk about what we yeah. want to talk about we did the matrix yeah <laughs> <laughs> we talk but, about and i have this like just in general i i have this attitude to all creations like for something to be old it has to be like really 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 at that sort of like complete change of a generation you know like black and white to color for tv mm. or something like those really like big 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 massive leaps like from screenplay to vr like mm. that those big leaps but other than that like a, a game's not old until it's like yeah. really really different and i think i i don't really use the term like oh an old game and the same like across media like if it's still relevant and it still plays relevantly, I wouldn't class it as an old game until you go back to like, like for me, an Xbox 360 game is not an old game. That's such an interesting point you bring up though, because you saying that, and this is another prime example of exactly what you just said. Isn't it interesting how you're saying that, you know, you don't classify anything as an old, as an old game, which I completely agree with, but, if we look at our industry today, how many games are out there right now that are being remade into HD? They're being re-released. They're being mm, re-brought back onto different platforms. So what does that tell you? So for me, it's there is there is there is a sector of people that are kind of going, I want this game remastered in HD. 
I want to be able to play this now on my new console via Game Pass or, you know, on Steam or whatever. So there's already the proof is right there that those games are that good that they're being re-released. And they they're all they all right, fair enough, they're they're kind of being remastered in HD and blah 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 blah, which fans love. Some of them aren't even if you think about like the Super Mario 3D world, like that's just a straight port, right? Obviously, like it, 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 yeah, there's 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 I, I, you can even <laughs> you can even look at things like the Resident Evil. Resident Evil 2 was completely just remastered and brought back again. Uh, and they're doing it with a lot of other the Resident Evil series uh, titles as well. They're being brought back again. Other games on other platforms are being re-released into HD. So it's, again, coming back to that point that, you know, it's it's really interesting how you say you don't classify things as old. And I think that's a nice way to put it because a lot of those games are being remade mm-hmm. and just re, like, re, rebooted and rehashed onto new consoles. Can you can you bring up the counterpoint? The fact is that we probably are the local, uh, the vocal minority, because there's a what lot of talk. Wants to see the is, yeah, it's not it's us talking about the the sort of value of games because hmm. when you think about it, it's like you hear see all these games coming out and stuff like that. Like, and ninety percent of the games that are released don't even do large numbers like mm-hmm. most people the larger audience that the, the audience that push the games industry in terms of their numbers are the same people that play your fifas the same people call that play duty. your call of duties there's the same yep. people that will buy free of i personally as someone that plays games i i buy like two or three games a year and it's not even that much because i just don't see a need to because i'm really picky about what i play but when you speak to most people they speak to most people that are not are not into the games industry like we are usually they pick up their fifa they'll pick up their call of duty and they'll pick up the big marketing campaign game of the year sort of thing and that's usually it so it's we don't for for us that we talk a lot about oh they're so like we have a large selection of games for some people they only buy two or three games a year so it doesn't really make much of a difference to them and i yeah a lot of people do play for their specific sort of area of games and will like pick out their main game it just depends on people's play styles like i know equally people that don't really aren't really involved in the games industry but they play they buy more games than me because they're just kind of like oh i saw this game i thought it was cool so i bought it played it either played through it or played half of it and then was satisfied with that consumption of it and then bought another one and it's not relevant to the hype that's involved if you're in the game industry yeah because they're not necessarily exposed to it to the same level yeah i guess there there are different audiences within that again it kind of comes back down to wealth right like you know if games now can cost upwards of 70 quid on if you're buying a new playstation 5 game so of course you know you're you're not going to buy every game that comes out every month because people don't have that kind of cash and I think it all adds up to like, bring it back to this conversation around wealth and, and why it matters. You know, why are we talking about it? There's, a, there's an organization called Yuki who do a lot of incredible work for the UK games industry. And they did the very first census of British studios where they literally just went to every studio and they were like, like tell us about your workforce. Tell us who works there. They found that 12% of the industry's workforce, 12% of the people who make games in the UK attended a private school now that's nearly double the national average for employees in film or tv so like if you really break that down for a minute like 
gaming has the most privileged workforce. There are more people who paid to go to school, had really rich parents than in an industry like film or TV with its glamorous premieres and that we think of as being really wealthy. Like That's gaming quite interesting. is wealthier. Because that right? doesn't match with the perception of a quote-unquote gamer. Quote, quote, gamer. Yeah. <laughs> No, not at all, not at all. And um, I, I interviewed um, last year a game developer called Erin Harrison, and she's a level designer at a studio called Cardboard Sword. And she grew up in a low-income household. She's a black woman. And she never thought about gaming as a career growing up because she had such limited access to games consoles. And eventually she kind of got into gaming through watching YouTube Let's Plays because YouTube is free. And she kind of like, so she watched people play games and that's how she was exposed to games culture. And she but the point that she makes, which I think is a really interesting one, is is to kind of move the conversation off of console game and really look at PC gaming. Like she says that making PC gaming more affordable would really mark a significant step in kind of closing that wealth gap because of necessity. You know, every family needs a good PC, but every family doesn't need a games console. And she she said this quote that I think is, is so, so true. She was like, our luxury industry demands skills taught on luxury tools. And yet we shake our shoulders at why the workforce isn't diverse enough. And it's mm. it's true. Like if we could get pe- cheaper you know, for families who uh, have one PC between the entire family, like, you know, organizations like Social Mobility Foundation or Digital Schoolhouse that help kind of bring extra laptops into the home, suddenly, you know, you've got an extra tool that not only can you play a game on, but if you're a teenager in your bedroom, like maybe you can sort of tinker around uh, with a free kind of games programming engine, some Unity tutorials, and you can start sort of practicing making a game in your spare time. I think having that awareness of it, because that's kind of one of the things that I want to do more of. And even the idea of just exposing people, I know like, so, I mean, we've got a few streamers here, but I know like Danielle, you, you sort of stream and you're in that sense, having that effect on exposing people I mean, I don't know what the breakdown of your audience is, but I'm sure in there there's people who are seeing what you do and going, oh, okay, cool. We can we can make games. This is a thing. I might want to check more, uh, find out more about that. Is, that. is that something that you've found? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think even past me streaming games, I'm a self-taught 3D artist. Like, I taught myself how to 3D model because I wanted to see more representation in games. So people have also I think a majority of my audience found me because of that and then grew to understand that I actually play games too I'm not just this entity who makes content and puts it out there for you to download I'm actually someone who has loved games for like my entire life so yeah no for sure but I would say past playing the games I think people have also come to me for um, advice support and tips on like 3d modeling how to start what to do inspiration yeah. you know all that all that kind of thing and i know for like some of the work that um i was doing before so before this most recent lockdown um there's a particular project i was doing in a school with a group of 12 12 or 13 year olds just teaching them about uh stem or introducing them I, i'm not a teacher i don't even uh avoid that label because like mm. the work that teachers do i don't do that i'm in for a few hours and then i'm out um but just uh exposing them to like uh stem careers 
and I got to like design this 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 course and I was just getting to the video game part until uh, the lockdown came. So my plan was and hopefully is uh, when it can resume is to sort of show these kids like here because they play things like Roblox, um, obviously FIFA um, and Fortnite. That was the one I was trying to remember. But just to show them that there are different types of games I and mean, we talked about a bunch of games just on this uh, show and kind of expose them to that because it's that kind of cliche you can't you can't become what you can't see and i think for a lot of um kids particularly from those groups that are underrepresented in the industry they just you're not seeing that so you can't you can't even go down that route necessarily mm-hmm. if you don't see it so i think it is important to with all the things that we're we're doing is that we kind of show others like here's here's the possibilities and if you want to go down that route you know that route does exist and yeah like uh, melissa says that the finances is a really important part of that so i remember you doing the lessons in like exp leisure talking about it and it's the first time most of them have seen different aspects of the games industry at that point oh yeah no definitely yeah. and yeah. one of the so in this in this particular <laughs> session one of the kids because i was saying like oh we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to do games so i was like to just ask is what they know so like, what do you know about games what do you know about um and when i said games like there were a couple that like uh and I'll use their terms, they're, they're gaming experts. And then I asked one, like, um, so what do you know about esports? He's like, huh? Esports? <laughs> I was like, okay. The, the problem is, is that when you talk about esports, because that's possibly like my wheelhouse in terms of that, especially yeah. when it comes to low income groups. Like, the thing is about, the thing is about um, esports is that esports is a very East Asian and white thing. Like, you're talking about how it was mentioned earlier about. PCs being cheaper. Personally, I don't think that will ever happen because like the PC market is completely based on it's much more capitalistic in the way of selling you the biggest and best things. This is the reason why a lot of esports events because looking at the fighting game community, for example, has I could probably say in the UK, the fighting game community about like 60% of it is ethnic minority. And basically everything is run on consoles because like you can't afford an event full of pcs it just doesn't work like you either have an event that's full of 350 pound devices and you need like 30 of them but you can't spend 1500 pounds on individual pcs it just doesn't work so and the thing is is that when you look at esports and like the reason why your stuff like your League of Legends and your Dota and stuff like that. The reason why a lot of privileged people are able to play in those because the things that they even advertise to you are the best CPU that costs four hundred pounds, the best GPU that costs four fifty pounds, this your keyboard and mouse accessories that cost one hundred and fifty pounds each and stuff like that. Most people can't afford that. <laughs> like you can't afford it. Other than like obviously having the machine itself, like a PC and keyboard to. Get one that's usable is really doesn't have to be that expensive. That's just the yeah. But the thing is, you're looking you're you're looking at like, like seven hundred pounds minimum, and that doesn't include stuff like doesn't include stuff like monitors and stuff like that. Yeah. We, this is not just so like that's very very particular for like esports and very particular for uh, fighting game as well. Wait, but don't forget, there's things like cloud based PCs, so mm. gaming can still be cheap on the PC side. Like, it's just dependent on which specific aspect you're getting into. I kind of want to compare it to as, uh, compare it to football. So, obviously, the football players uh, in, in the Premier League get paid millions of pounds. 
Whereas you could be that kid who just buys a little football, five pounds, 10 pounds, whatever it is for football, and has a kick around and can aspire to be a footballer. And that's not a, a, not a barrier. Same with getting a PC. Yes, all, all the all the wonderful e-sport uh, legends are all got really expensive PCs, but you could get a cheap PC and play on minimum specs on, on at 640 by 480. You know, the game will run. And there are people who, who push the boundaries of their cheap PCs, but that's a stepping stone and that mm. allows you entry into uh, being able to play games and then allow you to aspire aspire to be more and then get better yeah and and like to to build off of that metaphor of the football like you know an, another way to look at it is you know thinking about a guitar right you know you could have the most expensive gorgeous acoustic guitar and learn how to be a musician or you could have you know a cheaper slightly battered one that you got off ebay it doesn't matter like you're still learning the skills and i think we're focusing quite a lot on um having access to games and being able to play games in this discussion but i think one of the things that a lot of developers have been saying to me is what's important is having access to tools as a teenager you know being right. able to have access to a pc that hey it doesn't need to play the latest game in 4k but as long as it can play you know a, a, a game engine like twine that teaches you narrative sort of game design or you know having those free unity tutorials and being able to use some of those you know it's it is literally the equivalent of a 16 year old learning how to play scales on their guitar it's like learning the basics of game design you know in your bedroom on your pc and that's the really exciting thing and and that's where you know um organizations who are going to low income households and like you know, handing out laptops, kind of like helping expand who has access to this equipment in our country. Like that's really going to make a difference. I want to add to that as well about you saying like expanding sort of like the exposure to games and and you're specifically talking about tools, but not like to enjoy games, you don't necessarily have to play them. Half of us are streamers in here. People watch mm. us play games and that is also a valid way to experience a game. I think just like add it, just taking away that idea that games have to be experienced and the gaming world has to be experienced in a certain way. And so it's like making it like, it's okay if you don't even play the game, you could just watch the game, especially as there's like some really good narrative games. And that can be an aspect of you, you enjoying games. You might just really enjoy listening to people talk about games your experience in gaming is valid just because you don't play the games that doesn't have to validate your your sort of like the that you're allowed to be in gaming like it doesn't matter how you experience the games you're still valid in gaming and even like yeah and even because there is so many different aspects of gaming and being in the game industry like there's not just development there is all these other jobs that that are applicable that diversity of roles as well yeah it's because they don't get taught in schools though like they don't mention anything like that in schools no it's it's, it's usually you have to be someone like nigel for people in the school to actually know yeah. that i, I literally had that discussion last mm. week with someone in the college that um she was saying that yeah they, they don't teach and even so the the students the young people don't have that awareness and then the, even the teachers don't even have awareness to advise young people on the career options in gaming so i think like going back to like what um so uh, alicia brought up the uk report i think that's a good starting point because that just kind of shines a light on where the problem is and it when i when i saw it and i've i've got copies somewhere i was going like through the numbers and 
in some ways it's, it's quite, they're not good numbers in, in, um, in certain sense, but you kind of, you have to know that you have to start somewhere. And I feel the sort of, I guess the hope out of that is that that to me at least says that the, the industry for the most part has an awareness of an issue. And once you have that, assuming the willingness is there, you can then start to fix it. But it also shows there's quite a, there's still a, a ways to go <laughs> in terms of sort of bringing in different people and then hopefully improving those numbers sort of year on year. Because the thing is, for most young people from like ethnic minority backgrounds or low income backgrounds, like gaming, like games industry is not an option. It's not no. something you could particularly sell to a parent to say, yeah, they would make, um, this is a good career option for them because for them like it's not been sold to them as something that's applicable like a lot of the time it's like yeah i want my kid to be a doctor i want them to do this i want them to be an engineer and stuff like that because that's the thing that makes some money and then the other side of that is that you look at the other side of the games industry where we talk about so much issue about crunch we talk about the people that are underpaid we talk about all of this sort of stuff if you're a parent you look at that you think why would i want my kid yeah to do exactly that? no way like why would you want my kid to do that that's a complete waste of time like at that point, it should keep it as recreational only sort of thing. <laughs> we don't, we don't paint the, we don't paint the, um, we don't paint the games industry as a place where people can make a sustainable income unless you're privileged, and that's that's the problem there. Like unless you're privileged to be in a position of knowing who to speak to, of knowing what you can do, or you know someone inside the industry and stuff that can get you into the right place, you're you're either going to make it as a Q and A person or have to work your hard way up the uh, work your way up harder, uh, harder up, up that ladder. And the thing is, a lot of those places pay minimum wage, even mm -hmm. at even with even with regardless of how many qualifications that you have. I think that's very specific to development in gaming, though. It's pretty much in general i feel like there's so many roles that would be more acceptable to people like um parents and um, within the games industry but that we just don't talk about them what like marketing or even law you know yeah like, exactly um, law. you know i uh, like every game studio has to have an in-house lawyer um that literally you know looks over all their contracts helps them with the you know it's something that i say when i go into schools to do careers talks on games like I'll always begin by just going around and being like hey what's your favorite subject like what do you love and no matter what subject a student says there is a career path in games that relates to that subject you know say they put up their hand they say they love history like Assassin's Creed hires historians to create these really believable well, they have in-house historians. You know, if you've got someone who's interested in being an accountant, you know, <laughs> bless that child. We bless need, that yeah. eight year we, old. We need them. <laughs> we need them. But, uh, I, I need them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, little little eight-year-old Tina who wants to be an accountant, you can say, Hey, well, you know, if you love games, you can be an accountant at a game studio. Like, you know, if you think of a job, it will exist in games. It's not just marketing, it's not just media, it's not just development. It's like all of the peripheries that go around it. The trouble is, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't have known that as a kid. Like, you need an adult to tell you, to, like, point out that there are all of these opportunities. Yep. That's true. I'll always remember something that Nigel said. I think it was at the last EGX. Nope. What did I say? Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that if you think about where we would be in, like, 2035, there's a massive percentage of jobs that haven't even been created yet. 
Mm. I did say that. And you did say that. I'm claiming that. <laughs> and it's something, it's something that really that. stuck with me, especially when it comes to making your own space within the gaming industry as well. Mm. What if there's something that you want to do that has that, and there hasn't even been a role that's been created for you? Yeah. But you know that it's something that you want to implement in the industry. Your role could not even exist yet, and it'll be definitely you'll definitely need to get inspiration from people around you and you know be told well this is what this role does this is what this role does and you could be inspired to merge the two and then create your own little role so yeah, yeah it's no, definitely lots sure. of opportunity it's sure. a really yeah i really like this discussion i almost don't want to don't want to talk about the news anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> <talk> about <laughs> um, but uh i do want to mention because we have uh touched on um xbox and just in case people are uh listening and saying that we only talked about xbox uh, and therefore we're being paid by Microsoft. First of all, I'd love to be paid by Microsoft. Microsoft, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I do want to touch on Sony and uh, Nintendo and see what they're up to because I have to. I also have to uh, issue some kind of apology to Sony because I feel like on last on a last roundtable before I think it was just after the prices of the consoles were released, uh, and I had a uh, mini rant about why they took so long. Uh, especially PlayStation to announce what I felt were quite sort of standard pricing, not like mind-blowing pricing of of consoles. Um, and then later reading that the PlayStation is being sold uh, at a loss, which then sort of uh, in retrospect is one sort of, again, fairly standard. I should have thought of that, but then I guess puts context in that kind of cat and mouse game Sony and Microsoft were playing uh, through much of 2020 and not wanting to release prices. And I guess from Sony's perspective, they were essentially waiting for Microsoft to see if they can make an extra hundred <laughs> on their console or not, which kind of can, makes sense. Can it be just based on the logistics and materials required to make the console and because of COVID due to the, due to COVID and the availability, they couldn't put a final price on it because to, if you're going to put a price on the console, you're going to have to do it well in advance because the thing yeah. is, is that your whole plan is based around that. It seems to me that it was just based off the material, so I don't know why you're apologising for. Okay, well, it's already out there. So, <laughs> so if you want it, you can take it. <laughs> um, but no, it's just an interesting story to see like how Sony are approaching the, I guess, the price point uh, of the console to compete with uh, Microsoft and sort of everything that Ben's just said. So in terms of how it's how it's doing, like consoles are or next gen consoles are still relatively hard to get, but they're still selling a lot of consoles. So I guess a question I didn't even check. Does I think we checked on the uh, PS Five? Has anyone got one of the new Xbox consoles? No, nope. I didn't, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Interesting to know is that out of like can't get one not necessarily a priority right now can't afford one oh Even yeah that yeah, that, yeah that. i wish i had a new yeah. xbox it's always there, i can play everything on my xbox one yeah. so i'm not that it's a combination of things for me personally anyway i i think if there's anything that i have and this is just again my own personal uh kind of take on uh when a new console comes out um i i never pick up a console when it first comes out mm. um i like to wait um because i want to be able to walk into a shop or go online or whatever and when i pick up a console i pick up a console 
and a selection of games that I know that I'm going to really just become invested in. Um, because I know how I play my games and I know how I play my consoles and stuff like that. I want to be able to go in and pick up a selection of games. And like um, Lenya just said that, you know, she can play everything on her Xbox One um, in terms of what is available. And then in terms of PlayStation 5, as as attempting as it may have been, um, I could play Miles Morales on my PS4. I could play Tomb Raider like you were playing earlier, you know, on my PS4. I can play all the other games that are available at the moment on my PS4. Um, and I think, yeah, it's... I, I don't know. We haven't I, quite I, hit that point where you need to get a next gen yeah, console for not, something yeah, specific. It's not something that's exactly it's not something that's come yeah, pretty much. For me anyway, and that's my personal kind of take. I'm I'm I, I like to wait. Like I'm gonna wait until because they had some really cool announcements of some really cool games on both Xbox and on PlayStation, which aren't gonna come out for a good few months yet. Um and I'd like to wait and until those come out and then i can kind of walk into a shop and go right i want this game this game and this game you know yeah yeah well, i think that makes perfect sense and um i think for nintendo even though they haven't released a new console they are still selling massively of of the switch what i was wondering about nintendo is there's there's the constant kind of talk about uh, nintendo releasing a switch pro or a super switch i think is the other um, I've been having a hearing and uh, a couple of conversations I've had where I've kind of said like do Nintendo even need to release a new console I wonder why there's a there's a push for Nintendo, Nintendo to release a uh, another console when like I said they're selling like they're selling a lot of switches and you can you can actually get one uh, unlike the other two so I guess my my question I want to throw out and, and see what people's uh, thoughts are is are you surprised that Nintendo are still selling strongly um, in, in the wake of new next generation consoles? And do we need a new Nintendo Switch? They're selling well because they're doing something different for the other two consoles. So Yeah, I mean, like to pick up on that point, and I should caveat this by saying that both Nims and I have presented for Nintendo um, mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. So, oh, you know, yeah. Next to big bosses. Uh, but yeah, like... <laughs> They're, uh, what Nintendo do really, really well is they kind of, when we talk about Xbox and PlayStation, you know, we're always talking about these big sort of budget games, you know, the graphical fidelity, the cyberpunks, like all of that. And what Nintendo do is, is they care about creating these like crafted experiences that are in a completely different wheelhouse, you know, and that's, that's always been Nintendo are really famous for hiring non-gamers onto their development team. Like people who come from different walks of life because they know that the game design language that we've learned, like uh, a good example is if a barrel is red or an object is red, you can explode it. You know, that's sort of lazy games design and Nintendo don't do that. They kind of go, well, you know, what, what's an experience that makes sense and what can we do differently? And, you know, the switch console was a really good example of that. They created a console that's a hybrid. You can play it as a portable or you can dock it and, 
uh, play it on your TV. And like it creates this kind of new way of playing where you can invite people around the TV to watch you play or you can kind of have a more personal experience where you take it and you go sit in a park or you know, sit under your duvet and play and like... I don't think that Nintendo do need to release a new Switch because there's no one that's kind of snapping at their heels with a similar experience that's creating something bigger and better. And also, you know, why do we need new consoles? Well, it's normally because the technology is uh, being boosted. You know, we need higher powered games. But like I said, like Nintendo don't care about, you know, graphical doodad and jazz hands and all of that you know it's it's they, unless they're, they're mario jazz home. hands <laughs> yeah. like they're a home for indies right and for for cool sort of experiences and we're still getting those on the current gen switch and it's it's so i'm so glad that alicia said like indies because i personally think and this is by no means a bias in any shape or form but i genuinely believe that like there was a period where like people were completely just overlooking indies, indie developers, indie games, indie companies. And I genuinely felt like just from the birth of when the Switch came, uh, even just towards the end of even the Wii U's like life cycle as well for the for the for the 10 people that bought that console. Like, <laughs> you know, if there was ever a sad story in the games industry, you could write one yeah. in the Wii U. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, that, that console, man. <laughs> it just, even the, the few people at the end of that console's life cycle from even when the Switch came along, like there was this massive injection from Nintendo to kind of go, we're going to support, you know, all of these young and up and coming like small studios or these development studios. And the biggest example was, is, you know, when the Switch first launched, which myself and Alicia both worked on, you know, there was a game that came out called Snipperclips. And Snipperclips was, you know, this really kind of like small indie development team based in the south of England. Uh, Mm. Nintendo saw the game and was like, we love your concept so much. We want to make it a first party Nintendo game. And they made a massive hoo-ha about it. And I genuinely believe that like even from just learning about how they kind of took those guys under their wing and like made such a big thing about their game is that all these other indies just came up out of nowhere and let's face it like indie games now are like rocking the industry at the moment like they're they're pioneering some serious stuff in in the in the in the complete spectrum of like you know be it like something like among us which is literally made by three people you know like it's literally made by three people they don't even have a publisher like they just did it themselves so yeah like does the switch need a pro version of it not yet no it doesn't i mean a, a nor- normally quote unquote this is kind of like not a confirmed thing but like people generally say that like a console has a lifespan of what five years and the switch is kind of in its, it's probably even stretching now yeah the switch is kind of in its like fourth ish year now it came out 2016 2017 17 yeah yeah april 17 yeah. yeah so it's coming into it's like it's fourth year we've had some like incredible games on there both first party third party indie title all of it and it's, it's just like alicia said it's it's this hybrid that i think it just works for what it is like you know there's people out there that will just kind of go 
yeah, I really want to play this game, but you know what? I'm going to buy it on the Switch. Why? Because I can literally go to the pub and play it with my friends Mm. when we wasn't in a lockdown. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was this whole element of like, oh my God, I can actually play this game wherever I go, you know? And I think... And it works. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It, It absolutely works. And I don't think... I mean, unless you know like you if you are again just echoing everything alicia said if you are that person that wants to sit and play like a a 4k 60 fps you know game and get really immersed into this like ray tracing world of a game and like i want to see my reflection in the in the in the water and like (laughs) you know go wow about that for 15 minutes then by all means go and get those big honkatonk consoles but I don't think, yeah, I, Nintendo, as everybody has said in the chat already, they just like to do what they like to do. And, yeah. you know, they're always just going to go for innovation. And I, and I really admire that. Yeah. Because it, it it's like you look at it and I, it looks like it's, oh, they just do their own thing and they do. But it takes some level of courage. I mean, sort of courage within sort of context of making games but you could just do go for the the graphical route because that's what a lot of people like but it takes courage to try different things and it doesn't always work (laughs) like Mm. we use just one example to to be fair though they never sell any of their consoles at a loss so they never really lose that as much either a lot of all of their consoles all of their consoles are always sold at a profit so it's they've never they're never in a situation where they've had to take a massive loss for on a long term. Even something like the Wii U, which like barely sold any nowhere near as much as it was capable of, made a profit just because they're a, they sell things at a profit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a big point. Choosing Nintendo, choosing to you not use the latest hardware to use cheaper processors, cheaper GPUs, like things like the Game Boy when it came out. It, it was this black and white console that. People, you know, Sega did the Game Gear, which is color. Tara did the Lynx, which was color, and they thought that, that was the future. But the Game Boy won because it was cheaper and they didn't sell it at a loss. And it was uh, that's what Nintendo's always done. That they put the games first before the machine. Mm. And mm-hmm. why I like that about Nintendo and, and just about this generation because I feel that, like, yeah, Nintendo are playing in their own lane, and and to a certain extent, sort of Microsoft and Sony are as well, at least not as close as they typically were and i feel i said this before i think on the podcast where i feel this is the first generation where everyone can quote unquote win because you've kind of got something different like you've got nintendo doing nintendo things in in their corner um got like sony are pushing those kind of you know those big like narrative led games and then you've got microsoft with this completely different uh business model uh bringing a certain another level of accessibility and i feel to a certain extent they're going to push each other and that's kind of what you want in terms of like competition because i feel because of what microsoft are doing with their sort of uh subscription service it's going to force like eventually sony are gonna have to do more than what they are doing because they'll they'll see what uh, microsoft are having success with and we've seen like people in, in the past kind of uh try and imitate what nintendo do when it becomes successful so i feel that the the strategies are different enough that everyone can kind of win and i feel that's a overall positive for for gaming i think as well like i'm totally not surprised that the switch is selling really well right now because of you know in so many places that people have lockdowns and certain quarantines if you think about a home like a family home um there's a one screen and 
all of these children, you know, even if it's just two. And then, and then like the parents are fighting for the screens, like people working from home. A switch is this great console where if you've got the main switch, you can, you know, one child can be playing on their own, or even if it's a single child house, uh, but with a parent, the child can be playing on their own on their screen. And then, you know, when, when the parents finished working or doing whatever their responsibilities are, it can be like, okay, let's put it on the big screen. Now we can play together. And even like switch, having the switch light, that's another, another space where that's an isolated screen and they can just be playing that. And at that much cheaper price point, it can be more of a point where like families are like, okay, we're going to get you a switch. So there's a second console in the house that can, can be for you to use so like it just makes complete sense with everyone being like locked locked in their homes <laughs> and like wanting to play from bed and wanting to like having screens used up so just needing that extra thing it's a portable console it's a it's a, a screen console like it's the whole package but also so many people can join in and because like nintendo are known for their like couch co-op multiplayer games and like family friendly games but as well they've sort of like got all these other big games jumping on like everything's being released on switch it's an indie machine but you can also play now like coming out apex legends so it's got Mm. everything and i think i think they're like playing with the i feel feel like they're playing with the idea of a pro and just like waiting for the perfect time to release it because with them having all these bigger games on on the console uh there's definitely like a benefit to having like a super switch or switch pro or whatever it's going to be just to hit a different market and they'll probably be like less available but just to have the option yeah yeah i mean obviously at some point it will it will come and yeah just yeah nintendo don't seem to be any any under under any kind of particular pressure to bring one out all right before we wrap i do want to get a sense of what people are looking forward to so we kind of um, we've seen that we don't have complete coverage of like the now current gen consoles, but I'm guessing everyone's got that kind of thing that they're looking for that's going to help push them towards it. So as we are now in a new generation of consoles, uh, does anyone want to kind of share what they are most looking forward to in the next generation uh, of consoles, whether it's Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo or someone else? Um, I'm most excited for a couple of games, actually. Um, I'm really excited for a game called Deathloop. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you played the Dishonored series? I haven't. I was interested in it, but I've not played it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's really cool. Like, if you're not familiar with Dishonored series, for anyone who's listening, it's sort of a, a game about an assassin. And there's lots of really cool ways of traversing different levels. There's like a whole level that takes place in a clockwork mansion. And... Um, you can either teleport, you can go through and kill everyone, or you can stealth your way through. But um, Deathloop is from the same makers uh, as Dishonored. They're a studio called Arcane Studios. And basically about an, an, another assassin, he's called Colt, um, and he's stuck in a time loop. And basically, he's got to take out eight people before this time loop resets. And the trailer looks amazing. Like, you know, lots of... I think time as a mechanic is is always really interesting in games. We do like a good time loop here. Right? 
like yeah. the Life is Strange games use time in a really interesting way to look at the impact of decision making. Uh, there's a really awesome indie game called The Sexy Brutal, which is like a murder mystery where you're trying to figure out <laughs> who murdered uh, some people at this sort of like crazy old mansion. And like this is sort of, an, I guess, like an action game take on the idea of time and, and how we can manipulate it. And I just, I just think Arcane Studios, they're amazing at designing levels that are like really active and creative and find all these really unique opportunities for player choice and achieving an objective in a way that's so specific to you and what you want to do. Stick a time mechanic in there and I just think it's going to be really fascinating. Time, time is just such a great, great mechanic to, to play with. Yeah. yeah. I think we, me and Nigel have both mentioned Deathloop at some point. Nice. Oh, gosh. Can't wait. Definitely. Um, anything else that anyone is looking forward to in particular? I guess I'm looking forward to Gran Turismo 7. I've been a racing sim person for ages. I think I've gotten every Gran Turismo game that's actually come out. Uh, loved the esport aspect of sport. Uh, I found it really enjoyable. I don't have a PS5 yet, but I do want to get one because I see it as the equivalent of upgrading my GPU. So that would <laughs> so be nice because I don't do PC gaming whatsoever. So my PC is strictly for work and work only. So there you go. Okay. So I, want, I wanted to get GT7. The new Final Fantasy XIV expansion is definitely something I'm excited for. The, the PS5 version is nice. I'm hesitant about the new Fantasy Star Online 2 new Genesis that's supposed to be coming out. And the only reason why I'm hesitant is because every new Fantasy Star Online game that has come out, Sega has found some way of messing it up. <laughs> so I'm super hesitant to be interested in it. Like PSO 1, oh yeah, shows on the Dreamcast are fair enough. The Fantasy Star Universe was bad when it first came out. Ambition of the Illuminous was kind of bad when it first came out. The original PSO 2, which a lot of the international audience have not experienced, but as someone that's played the JP version originally, like it was really bad on launch as well. So I'm really hesitant and I hope because Microsoft is on Sega's case that it would actually be good. Decent, not even good, decent will do. Like that's very low bar. <laughs> yeah. When when I when I say that they've been bad, they've been bad. Like there's usually jokes in my gaming group that oh yeah i call pso2 like uh like a, f a four and a half out of ten game and i play it a lot and people are like oh yeah but like why you for a game that you play a lot why do you call it like that and i was like if you look at the game as a whole since everything it's been through it's been pretty bad sega have got a horrible horrible experience of that so i was like yeah maybe not and the other thing i'm excited for is arcade games because the arcade industry in Japan is failing at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what they could do to reinvigorate it. So I'm going to see what they could do. Mm -hmm. A nice little spin on arcade games. Hmm. I can't wait to go to like an arcade. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just any, any arcade. <laughs> the thing is, because obviously they've announced a lockdown restriction when they're easing, like my workplace is an arcade, basically. So yeah. it's like... That we get true. to deal with that sort of stuff. I won't talk anything more because then we will talk into legal issues. So I'm not going to go any further than that. But um... cool. Let's keep those uh, next generation of lawyers away from us. Uh, crying <laughs> <laughs> I think what I'm looking forward to is when we can get out and go back to events. I miss gaming events so much. Just going to see other people, talk about gaming, and just being in a place where everyone is passionate about the same thing and you know see other new games 
and just discuss it with people. So I really do miss physical events. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And seeing Nims like talk from beginning to oh, end. Because I couldn't do it is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm just like, so I get tired. I, I agree. I agree with crying though. That it's like, it's, it's been, it's been t- like, Alyssa, you can back me up on this. It's like, it's been really, at first you don't really feel it, but I think n- now we really, like myself and Alyssa have done a couple of events and stuff online where we've kind of done commentary together and stuff. And it just doesn't have that same like just that, that, that hype and that feeling where they're just, yeah. everybody's there and there's such a buzz and everyone's just so excited to be out of space where they can just kind of be themselves and people are cosplaying and like there's people cheering and stuff like that, you know, and it, that's definitely, I think, a, a thing like the, the last sort of major big event I kind of went to or uh, like worked at was like, I think it was a Comic-Con um, and just that whole, you know, like even gaming development companies will kind of go, we're going to like, for the first time, like, you know, in the UK, allow people to play X, Y, and Z game. Like, this is going to be the first time you get to play the new Pokemon, or like, this is going to be the first time you're going to get to play like the new Mario game or the new, like, uh, Street Fighter or something like that. Like, you know, that's that whole element of where they build these huge structures and people get to go and like take pictures with like cosplayers and just all of that stuff. I think is something that I'm hopefully looking forward to in terms of hopefully this second second half of the year we might yeah fingers crossed fingers like, crossed you yeah. might see something I'm probably going to be an emotional wreck <laughs> I probably won't even get through like a, a sentence on stage everyone just be like oh he's crying again he's on stage. but like no I it's it's been it's yeah it's it's definitely something i think is a massive a massive part of like why i love this industry so much yeah how about you daniel um so in terms of games i mean you know i'm a big simmer so i love anything is that um, the official term but a simmer yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so i'm a big simmer And um, I love anything like stimulation and customizability has always been something I've been very fond of. Um, so there's a game that's currently been that's currently in development called Paralives, and it's actually meant to be The Sims' next competitor. So oh, wow. I'm really interested yeah. to see because I've been following them on Patreon and I've literally followed the journey from the guy. His name is Alex Messi. And he he was he it was it's an indie game. He started everything himself, and over the last months, that every quarter he gives us like an update. So we've got this new person in the team who's going to be dealing with animation. This person's going to be dealing with the three D models. This one's dealing with coding, and so he, his as the time goes on, you can see the team expanding, and you're getting updates of the game and just how much bigger it's getting. And I'm really excited because you know, in some respect, I love The Sims. But Sims 4, this franchise has lacked a lot when it comes to the customizability that I love, which in a sense is what motivated me to, you know, make content myself. Um, but I'm really interested to see what Paralyzed is going to come with because they've introduced a color wheel and highlights and like physics to hair and all there's so many little things that you see in Paralyzed that you saw in like Sims 2 and Sims 3, which are massive, massive fan favorites. 
um, and you're seeing it in this new gen game. So I'm really, really, really excited to see what's to come of Paralives. Yeah, Sims, Sims needs a good competitor anyway. So yeah, they've been going a very, very long time without a competitor. Mm. So and even just even um their build the build functions like it's it's so crazy it's so free i don't think i've seen a game like the sims that allows you to build so freely as well so even in that respect it's going to be such a such a massive competitor and hopefully you know get to, get the sims to pull up their socks like you can't be, <laughs> yeah you can't be running you everyone that, ragged bro. with all these expansion packs and you're giving us bare bones but there's a whole game coming out that's giving us everything and more and it's just the base so yeah I've got a game for you to play, actually, Daniel. You should check out a game that's coming out. Uh, it's actually, everyone can check this out, to be fair. Again, going back to if you like stuff like Among Us, it, uh, it's a game that's in, it's kind of in its, it is beta at the moment, but you have to kind of, it's weird. You go on Steam and they send you like a link or whatever. Uh, it's called it's called First Class Trouble. And you are a first class trouble. And you're, you are like a, a group of like people who are on a big cruise liner ship and yeah it it has the element of kind of like you know the whole imposter and deception kind of thing but there's like a real uh sim kind of element to it as well you you have to kind of make things happen and do certain things for to create an atmosphere and stuff like that in the game so oh definitely checking it out yeah yeah check it out it's called first class trouble i i think at the moment it's only on steam but um yeah if anyone else wants to check it out go for it. It, it it's good fun just watch the trailer it's hilarious awesome I will do. thank you i've just actually had a quick look at paralyzed and wow level of customization on as in curved walls you can change like the desk you can change the handles on cupboards like I'm in love with this game already. I'm in. Done. <laughs> <laughs> one more. One more to the audience. Cool. And Tazzy, I guess, yeah, you're, I know you're definitely uh, like everyone looking forward to this getting out and to any kind of convention <laughs> game in Marvel Wise. So. to see everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point, we'll have to do like a, a live in person round table and actually get that extended table. That I talked about mm. at the beginning there's something to look forward to so <laughs> yeah we've talked a lot about games so this has been our uh, round table discussion before we end though we just want to find out what everyone is up to where we can find people's yeah so this is an exciting part where you can learn a bit more about i guess and where you can find them and any projects that they do have coming up so we'll go in reverse order this time so quang have you got anything up and coming that you want to highlight to our listeners and where can everyone find you sure um so currently still working on a game for mobile and pc which is mao mao castle a game about a flying cat dragon who collects rainbows um, and you can find us on Twitter mostly, uh, I guess, as Sobitech, that's A-S-O-B-I, Tech, T-E-C-H, which, uh, Sobi is the Japanese word for play, and Tech is obviously science, with a science of play, so um, yeah, check us out there. Awesome. Nims, uh, we'll go to you next. What yeah. are you? What are you up to at the moment, and where can everyone find you? So you can all find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. And they all literally have the same name, which is It's Just Nims, which is I-T-S 
J-U-S-N-I-M-M-Z. It's good branding. Stream. <laughs> Thanks. So I I'm I regularly stream on my Twitch channel. Everything gets posted on my Twitter and my Instagram and stuff like that. I've literally just finished a interview with a guy called Julian Galudek, who is one of the main creators of Ubisoft's game called Immortals Phoenix Rising. So I just finished an interview with them. So you can check that out on, again, on my Twitch channel and on YouTube as well. I've literally, literally just uploaded it to my YouTube channel <laughs> again. And that's called It's Just Thims as well. Um, so yeah, that's the thing I've just finished working on. And otherwise, yeah, come and join the stream. I always play multiplayer games with everybody in the chat. Uh, I do this thing on a Sunday called the Sunday Brunch Service, where we wake up in the morning, like Saturday TV shows or Sunday TV shows you used to watch as a kid. And we just uh, play a whole bunch of multiplayer games. That sounds really interesting. Like I've looked at the trainer for Phoenix Rising. So it looks like a great game. So then we'll go on to Danielle. So, um, well, you can find me pretty much everywhere um, on Ebonic Sims. That's E-B-O-N-I-X-S-I-M-S. You'll mostly find me on Twitter and on Twitch on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This Wednesday, I'm actually doing some fundraising with IGN. So um, I'm going to be playing Among Us with some of the IGN uh, members of staff and some other really amazing streamers. And we're going to be raising money for a project called Gameheads. And that's actually a social venture that teaches game design and game development to low-income students of colour. So I'm really looking forward to helping, you know, raise money towards such a really important cause and one that's very close to me so feel free to come through that will be at 9 30 on wednesday but feel free to come through to the streams on tuesdays and thursdays excellent that's so relevant to what we were talking about earlier as well so absolutely it is something like everyone here is super passionate about (laughs) actively working towards and who have i got next ben yeah, so if you want, uh, normally if you want to find me, I usually am on Twitter. I'm under the name uh, Ray Okana, is R-A-Y-O-K-A-R-N-A. Um, I'm, uh, I've got an ongoing series every week where I talk about how to broadcast at esports events on a budget and how you can get involved with local gaming events in your community, uh, mostly focused around fighting games, but it applies to almost everything else. Um, on Twitter, I talk about everything to do with the local fighting game community and also the Japanese arcade gaming scene, since those are my two things, and the occasional hot take about how about our industry in general. It's always quite fun, a lot of banter, and I also run a group NGI, uh, NGI events, so if you want to follow like if you don't want any of my opinion on anything i just want to <laughs> follow like the game the the events aspect of us where we like run online uh online events and online games and stuff where we do talk about even the stuff like gamepad and whatnot that's at ngi events uh on twitter so easy excellent and yeah lastly Alyssa. Yeah, so um, by day, mostly you can find me on the Netflix UK YouTube channel. I make their video essays, sort of analysing um, themes and ideas in Netflix shows. And also I do their sort of behind the scenes content. So I've just done like a VFX breakdown of Fake the Wink Saga, doing a video at the moment on The Crown, looking at how they kind of build their music and sort of drama into the scenes. Um yeah, for game stuff, probably my Instagram, Misjudged Shots, is the best place to go look. And I'll post, you know, articles that I'm writing, 
particularly on wealth in games that, that we've talked about a lot about that today but that's kind of like an area that I'm focusing a lot on at the moment so yeah awesome thank you um and thank you to all our guests we'll put all the relevant links in the description wherever you are or show notes wherever you are uh consuming this this podcast yeah and uh that's the end of our show this is our bombard roundtable episode thank you for everyone for joining us not going to go through the names you know who they are you've heard them enough by now but thank you to everyone for uh yeah spending some time with us to talk about video games uh if you are listening and you enjoy this episode please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss all the future episodes and you can go back in time uh Deathloop style and catch all the previous ones so uh we do a bunch of different types of episodes um so there'll be something that you'll be into and this is a gaming episode so we didn't talk about our manga but we also make our own stories at the mymatter.com forward slash manga website you can catch the different volumes that we have um in a future episode i will be talking about the one that is in production right now serious through the fog which is going to come out in spring he says um but yeah we're working on that now so i'll talk more about that in a future episode and of course gamepad so our next episode our next event is in april on the 10th so you can join us for that we'll be streaming games competitions interviews and a panel too so head over to gamepad.events to find out more about that and get your free tickets otherwise you can stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story stay tuned until next time and also stay safe take care everyone (music) 